Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Material Issues. This is episode number 36. And as always, joining me this evening, my very good friend from the International Pop Overthrow Festival, David Bash. How are you tonight, David? I'm doing okay, Mark. How are you? I'm fantastic. I am just loving life tonight. It's only a balmy 28 degrees here in <laughs> South Jersey. I'm sure you're uh, you're very cold out there in uh, California, but bear with it. You'll be fine. But I'm having a great time. 70 degrees here in Reseda. 70 degrees in Reseda. That's not bad at all. But, uh, you know, it gets colder when the sun goes down and the dog wants to go out later on tonight. Yeah, here too. Yeah. Well, no dog because we don't have one. <laughs> well, you know what, though? There is a dog next door that barks incessantly in the, in the middle of the night. And I, yeah, I don't, well, <laughs> you know, I know there are a lot of dog lovers listening right now, and I don't want to say anything that'll upset you. So we'll just leave it at that. Good, Good evening. evening. Somebody checking in. Good to see you. Yeah, we got uh, yeah we got 30, uh, 35 episodes under our belt. Um, we're into a new year. Actually, we're, we're approaching February already, which is uh, crazy. Which is crazy. And uh, David, you and I were just talking about uh, what we've got coming up. We'll, we'll, we'll talk about that a little later. But uh, all sorts yeah. of things going on. And, and we're just wondering who might be on episode number 52, our non-fiscal year completed episode so we'll what up uh, homies i bet that's jan <laughs> i just have a feeling you have a feeling uh, it's jan watching the show <laughs> yeah i have a feeling um well we'll be bringing her husband on in just a bit um just wanted to say a couple of things prior um we uh things are going well booking ipos chicago and liverpool i'm just about i'm about 98 percent full for chicago and I'm about 93% full for Liverpool, believe it That's or not. A, wow. Um, and we have a lot of outstanding invitations out for Liverpool right now. So uh, I'm sure we're going to be full. And this will be the earliest we've ever been full, which is which is great considering, you know, all the stuff that's going on. Um, Are there any surprises uh, for Liverpool that you can talk about? Or is it... Uh... Well, if they were a surprise, I couldn't talk about it. <laughs> 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 which makes this whole thing kind of a paradox, doesn't it? Um, doesn't it? Yes, it does. Yeah. I, I'll i just say this. We have a lot of really great bands, as yeah. always. Um, and, you know, of course, I can't wait to go back to the cavern. Right. Um, just qu uh, quickly, David Ortiz in the Baseball Hall of Fame, Bonds and Clemens not in. I believe you're you're an anti-steroids guy, right? You would not have voted any of those guys, I take it. Not necessarily. Um, I, I'm on the fence a lot about it. Um, I mean, they did what they had to do for themselves in the time period. Um, there was no, there, there, you know, there, who knows what everybody did in the 20s, 30s, 40s. I mean, Babe Ruth had to have probably 12 beers before he went out and took swings. You're going to ban him because he was Baby an alcoholic? Or... Cork bat. Cork bat. He's a cork bat. So no, I'm not saying. cheated in certain ways. But and as I think I said, I sent a little message to you, and it is the Hall of Fame. And if you take the word fame as its definition, it's because you've done something to get some notoriety. It doesn't mean you're the greatest. It doesn't mean you're the best at it. it. doesn't mean you're all everything. And as I said about David Ortiz, monster hitter, one of the greatest hitters, you know, but he only played, he's a designated hitter. He only played a little bit, you know? So for me, you know, is, is that hall of fame worthy? I mean, if I was going to go by the book and say he didn't play a lot, no, he shouldn't be in the hall of fame just, just cause he, he batted, but he was famous for doing that. So yes, put him in the hall of fame. He was famous. He was certainly famous for, for, you know, his, his postseason heroics and, you know, my view is designated hitters a position. Yeah. You know, would you not put a punter or, or a kicker in the football hall of fame? No. Yeah, here we go. <laughs> but, uh, of, of course. Of, of course. Uh, well, Richie Allen was a dick. And that's why he's in the hall of fame. It really does boil down to that. And it boils down, and it's the same thing. If Bonds and Clemens were as well loved as, as David Ortiz, they would be in the hall of fame. I have right. absolutely. 
I have no reservations about saying that. It's, right. You know, and, and, and a lot of people complain and they say, well, you know, should being well-liked have to have any bearing on this? My answer is yes, because if you're a nice guy in life, you should be rewarded. If you're a dick in life, you know, you should be penalized in certain cases. <laughs> Those guys made all kinds of money. You know, they've got all kinds of things in their life. They're not in the Hall of Fame because they were dicks, essentially. <laughs> they got your yeah, I'm sure you do, whoever you are. And dicks yeah. should be penalized. Well, well put. So, I, you know, <laughs> while I, while I, well, yes, I know, I know. You was on his way. While I would have voted for both of those guys, I can't say that I'm shedding any tears that they're not in. Yeah. Best well, you know. Yeah. And. Bruce Harper. Yeah, I don't. Bruce Harper. I, you know, I don't see any. I don't see any argument uh, uh, about that. Whatever, you know, whatever position you play, if 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 it's a position, whether it's DH or punt returner or anything, if you're one of the best at it, yeah, I have no problem with that. Anyway, we could talk about that for hours, <laughs> but uh, instead, let's bring on the man of the hour. And, yes, and indeed. He certainly is. I mean, you know, you want to talk about power pop icons. There's no way you can have a conversation without mentioning this gentleman um, ever since. Uh, I mean, he's been recording music since really the late 60s, early 70s. Finally broke it big in 1975 with I'm on Fire. And uh, since then, of course, so many other great songs, numerous albums. Um, certainly in my Power Pop Hall of Fame, I'm sure he'd be in anybody's who cared to do one. And it's certainly an honor for us to have him on Material Issues. So without further ado, would you please give a huge welcome to Tulsa's own Mr. Dwight Twilley. Mr. Twilley, how are you tonight? I'm good, gentlemen. Yes, hey, thanks for having me. Thanks. Oh. I'm, I'm glad Twilly don't mind being on our show. <laughs> He's not, he hasn't heard. He hasn't heard that used that much, have you, Dwight? Not at all. Not. What kind of uh, tissue? What exactly? What kind of tissues are these? <laughs> They're material tissues. <laughs> as people as people tuning in might look and see uh, uh, the video for Dwight's. Not up. We're we're uh, we can only do audio only with Dwight to, tonight. So he's still going to be able to answer all our questions. We're still going to have a great time. But don't think if you're viewing at home that something's wrong with uh, with with the feed. It's not. We're still here. We're There's still nothing talking wrong to Dwight. with your television set as they started every outer limits with. Yeah, exactly. Hey, hey, Dwight, uh, how are you feeling? Uh, the pandemic treating you and your pandemic rescue dog well? Yes, it's you know. You, you know, you learn to love it. Yeah. <laughs> it gives you a lot of good things, that, you know, time that you've been waiting to be able to, you know, take care of business, you know, sorting through your silverware and stuff. <laughs> Does that mean we're going to see uh, Rarities Volume uh, 8 through 15? I think so. It, it, we actually are thinking about another volume. I don't know if you got the last one. I have not. I only turn. have one through five. I, I'm still looking for six and seven. So. <laughs> I don't even know how we did that. <laughs> <laughs> the last one had uh, 40 songs. Yeah, yeah, it's incredible. Uh, we talk. We've talked to a lot of guests on this show that have been extremely prolific, and we talk about how the <laughs> heck do you do it? But I mean, when all this rarity stuff came out, you start scratching your your head and you're saying, "How did Dwight do it?" So that's a question for you right there. How do you do it? How how, how do you write? What's that? You just wait till there's another disaster and you got nothing <laughs> else to do. So you dig around through all your old tracks. But you were you were recording, I mean, you were writing and recording so much material um, you know, over the years. And uh, that's what's really impressive. And listening to a lot of the rarities uh, discs, um, just the, the songs are all are all good songs. It's not like you're just putting a bunch of junk on there, which is really amazing. Um, you know, great stuff. Yeah, well, when it's fun doing that sometimes when you're digging around for stuff, 
and you right. find some things you're not expecting. Exactly. exactly. Wait, let me let me ask you: Is B side ever going to come out as a standalone album? Wait, I couldn't hear that. Somebody was making noise. Oh, I, I was I was asking if B side will ever come out as a standalone album. Oh. I think it has two or three times. Really? I know that there have been discs that have had tracks from it, but I don't know if the whole album by itself has come out that way. I don't, I don't so. think it really ever was an album. It was just one of many collections of here, put that track over here. Ah. Just put oh, it somewhere okay. where you can remember where it is. Right. Are you still uh, are you, are you still uh, writing and recording over the, over the last couple of years uh, during the pandemic? Uh, we've been it's kind of been interesting timing because what we've been doing really is kind of uh, revitalizing. We've uh, our studio's got a whole new hairdo. All right. And so we've moved uh, and our studio is updated, and the studio is feeling quite well. Good. You're talking about church lots studios? lots of new toys in it. <laughs> Excuse me? You're talking about church studios right now? No, we're at, we're here at the Big Oak Studio. Oh, Big Oak Studio. Yeah. Big yes. Oak, right? Yeah. And it's got a lot of new toys in it. A lot of new doodads. A bunch of new buttons. A lot of Very new nice. buttons and new wires. And now you just got to figure out how to make best use of those buttons and wires, right? <laughs> There's always a way. You can't keep your hands off of them once, once you get them rolling. Now, what what do you do as far as uh, recording uh, these days? Uh, do you have people that uh, you call on to join you, or are you doing much of the work yourself, or or what's your what's your process right now? Well, it's you know it's got funky since you know, recently lost Bill Cock before, which yeah. Right. One of the remaining uh... What are we trying to say here? Oh, okay. Ah. Uh, there for a minute, but I'm, I've recovered. <laughs> okay. Oh, maybe. Well, let's let's go. Let's go back to right? where it all. Let's go back to where it all started in Tulsa. Um, when you when you were a kid, uh, well, first of all, when the Beatles came around, that you were just about the right age. Uh, how hard did that hit you? Yeah. Oh, it was yeah, it was amazing. It's like everything did changed. Them? Did you see them on Ed Sullivan? Yeah. And at at the at the time you saw them on Sullivan, were you already into music and and playing, or did that did that have such a major effect on you that that's what you got into? Yeah, I, I was making some adjustment adjustments with my equipment here. You mentioned a okay. you live with a recording engine. Yeah, it's handy that I live live with a recording engineer. Thank you, gentlemen. <laughs> You're welcome. <laughs> uh, did you uh, did you hear did you hear my question, Dwight? No, it was it was blotted out by the, you know. Oh no worries. I was saying when, when the Beatles came around on Ed Sullivan, were you already into music? Were you playing uh, a guitar at the time, or did? Did that uh, have such a major effect on you that that's the direction you headed in after that? Uh, no, I it, I was doing I had was involved in music and very much liked music. Uh, I even liked the music of the day very much, but you right. know, next day it all changed. <laughs> exactly, and um, uh, so at the time, were you already playing? In, you know, in any kind of groups. Um, that then everything changed the next day. Your haircuts changed. The way you dressed, the things you played, um, was it was it that kind of a thing? Yeah, we we, we wore pink striped shirts. 
<laughs> yeah, for sure. <laughs> and uh, what was um, your first band? One of my first You know, we did. Uh, it was like uh, uh, big enough to, um, at, you know, at school, you know, Jorium. Soon had to go through. We did uh, song like Little Honda. Uh. <laughs> and, uh, uh oh, I'm being told I'm breaking up. Yeah, I. Yeah, we we're, yeah, we're, we're losing you a little there. bit. Just uh, it's hard to do. It's hard to do. Yeah, it's all right. It, here, I'm um, better. Am I closer? Is that better? Yeah, we can yeah. hear you now. Yeah, that's better. So, okay, here I am. I had asked you uh, what what was your first band. Well, you know there were tons, but like I said, the one that got big enough that, that we were playing the the schools, uh, you know, assemblies and, and in the auditorium. Right, right. And playing songs like Little Honda. <laughs> I guess that's that's how bands did back then. You all did covers for a while before you started doing originals, right? Yeah, hardly anybody did um, originals. Uh, I think I was one of the early guys in my little town that, that started writing songs real early. Now this was around. This was and around. Also, we were one of the first. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. You're one of the first. What? Uh, first, uh, when, well, okay, first to start having original songs when we would play, and then that which led to one of the first groups in town that had their own recording video. Ah, okay. We had a little T.I. four track. <laughs> <laughs> it was in <laughs> Bill Pick, Cock the Fathers, Electric, and he gave it stairs the act four up there oh you're breaking up on us dwight we didn't hear that still hear us i'm i'm not talking oh okay <laughs> sorry no no you we were and we couldn't hear you we were you were just breaking up you talked about bill bill pitcock and uh four track t act but then after that we lost everything that uh, you said. So I think it's just the connection uh, issue. Um, so this is mid sixties. Okay. This is mid sixties and you're right. You're starting to write. Hold, more on, Hold on. They're talking while you're talking. It's very confusing. Let me, um, let me talk. Hey, engineer, Richard, JT. Hello. You're starting to write. Should I put him on the iPad instead of the iPhone? If it, if, it, if it would help, yeah. Yeah, if, if, they, if the Wi-Fi connection is stronger, that's great. Yeah, put him on the iPad. He says, yeah, put me on the iPad. Okay, how do I put him on the iPad? How do I uh, might, actually, it might, how do feed, I it might feed back. It might feed back on us a bit. Um, if he's on his iPhone, just make sure you're closer to your router. That the Wi-Fi connection has. And that, oh, yeah. I'll go to your link. Never mind. I think I got okay. it. Give me a second. Talk no worries. Yourselves, dude. We're we're all we're always Talk having a good time. Cool, uh, the church studio is going through its new renovation. Yeah, that's five million. They can't hear you. The, hello, hello. I can, we can hear you. hear you. We can hear you. Okay, one newsworthy item. Is that okay. the church studio, originally right. owned by uh, Leon Russell, has yep. uh, just risen. It has risen again. Oh, that's awesome! And it's in. Uh, it's looking really good. Five million dollar Reno. Okay. Wow. I'm here. wow. And hi, people, engineer. Um, Hello. I want to stop Ken, and I'm entering the studio, and you're with Dwight. There we go. There we go. Is that better, boys and girls? 
Testing one, Testing, two. One, Am I two. better? Am I better? Yeah, you're way better. Yeah. Yeah, you're it's, way better. Right. Downtown Ginger Brown, mother. <laughs> There's rock and roll jam. Rules. All right. Love you guys. See ya. Awesome. Awesome. So you're writing your own material uh, come mid 60s, right, uh, Dwight? Oh, yeah. And um, yeah, at, at this point, what what is this what is this material that you know, what what's the sound like? This is not is this is this kind of like mid seventies, um, Dwight at this point, or were you doing more psychedelic sixties, uh, or were you more Beach Boys oriented, Beatles oriented? I think a little bit of everything. We, you know, we, we put a you know anything that records, yeah. anything that's you know can laughingly be referred to as a track. In front, in front of a little kids, and uh, all of a sudden, uh, you've got a shitload of songs started. Well, that's true. That's that's what we said. Dwight's got right, a shitload. Right around this time, or maybe a little bit after, is where you met Phil Seymour at a Hard Day's Night showing. Is that right? Oh, that story is you know slid between a Hard Day's Night and Help. <laughs> One of those. <laughs> What's Jan saying? She's telling me to slow down. <laughs> slow down. That means I'm talking too fast, I guess. Nah, you're good. Nah. Nah, no, you're, you're good. totally good. No, nah, you're good. She says I'm moving way too fast. Oh. Nah. That's slow okay. down, you're moving way too fast. Okay. Now, there you <laughs> go. I got you. We got you. We okay. Got you. Now, um, so uh, at the, at this point, you're writing a lot of material. You're doing your own thing. You're playing. Was anything released uh, in the '60s at all under your name or a different name? Uh, we our, our name was Oyster back then. Oyster. O i s t e r. Why Oyster? Um, I, I don't know. I think Phil had something he used to say. There's we were uh, two halves of a whole or something. I don't know. What it <laughs> is, you know. <laughs> you you could be sure no one else had that name at least you didn't have yeah to worry that's about that. pretty sure well there was blue oyster occult yeah that just kind of <laughs> popped up out of nowhere uh oyster aw shucks <laughs> thank you very much thank you very much you're here all week yeah i'm here all week Dry the deal <laughs> uh so yeah so you met phil seymour and uh was this just something that clicked immediately and the, and the two of you started uh down the road of, of uh musical collaboration yeah pretty much yeah yeah um, um we did a lot of recording in phil's bedroom on on uh like the tiac no this is before tiac okay what what was the first song you wrote together uh, we didn't write together. I did all of the writing. Ah, all right. And then what was uh, what did what did Phil bring to the equation? Uh, he played drums, and he was a really good singer. We sang well together. Right, right, true. And uh, you know, and then we both were playing guitar, and uh, it just after that it was just anything that wasn't nailed down. We were playing it, or strumming it, or picking <laughs> it, or doing something with it. Now, how much of a comparison did people make uh, with you and um, uh, McCartney, McCartney-esque, um, as far as as far as your just your your vocals and your presentation? Because uh, yeah, I've I've always found a comparison there, uh, very much so. Um, somebody's talking in another room. I'm being confused. That's Jan. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know how, you know, I, I didn't pay that much attention to it then because I think we were just, you know, focused on trying to make something work ourselves. Right. right. Did you did you incorporate the reverb on your voice really early? Was it was it a Roy Orbison thing you you tried for? Or did that come later? Uh, we as soon as we could get it, we wanted it. <laughs> Excuse me. Um, <laughs> It was more of an Elvis thing, really. Ah. Oh, okay. All right. 
you know, David and I were discussing that, uh, you know, one thing that, that really is a, uh, a standout point of your vocals is uh, the reverb uh, that you use on it. It has a, a specific Dwight Twilly effect, you could say. You, you know it's you, you know? Yeah. 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 Echo, sorry. Sorry, Jan. I, I hear an echo in the background. Yeah. She's echoing. <laughs> it's echo. Yeah. You, you know what I mean. Um it's a distinct Dwight sound to the vocals. And, yeah, uh, in the early years, we used to have to bring along, our, you know, the all, you know, special equipments to make create our echo on stage. Right, right, right. W what did you use? Um, well, it depends on when. It kept changing all the time, you know. <laughs> uh, and then uh, when did? Uh... So, all right. So, you're recording as Oyster in the in the early '70s, and when did the when did you get uh, uh, um, when did you get connected with Shelter? Uh, let's see. That would have been uh, around '74 or something. And, and you know, you... there was there were several different versions of Oyster because one was just like uh, folk rock. And the other one was just kind of like Simon and Garfunkel, practically. It's just like an acoustic thing. And through the years, I would go back and uh, and record songs that way went all the way back to that period, and you know, kind of uh, revitalize them, and they became you know Twilly Band songs. Mm -hmm. And had you gone out to L.A. before you you got hooked up with Shelter, or or after? Good question. I think we've made at least one trip out there. And then you hooked up with Shelter and they said, go home to Tulsa. Yeah. <laughs> That's basically it. Well, I mean, Tulsa, Tulsa. Church Studios, yeah. Church Studios, yeah. And Tulsa was a hotbed of uh, musical activity, uh, uh, or it still is, it always has been. Um, mm -hmm. In that in that time in that time period, the early seventies, as you were starting to get into your whole Dwight Twilly band, who were who were some of your contemporaries uh, in Tulsa that uh, you either played with or looked up to or or hung with? Uh, um, what was the music scene scene like in Tulsa in, in the early seventies? Uh, everybody uh, spent all their time looking looking for a way to get in with. Uh, Leon Russell. Oh, okay. You wanted to be in his studio or meet him or do something, some, anything that made Leon to be a part of it. Right. It was the never-ending search for Leon. <laughs> <laughs> so when did you find him? Um, after we got signed to a shelter. And that he just he just kind of appeared at the church studio one night, you know, just kind of sitting in the background, and. Uh, Turned out, you know, he, he to look at him, he seemed like he would be kind of intimidating. Right. But he oh, was, yeah. He was a very kind man. He was very generous and invited us to his house where he had his, uh, you know, here we were coming from our uh, TIAC 4 track. Hold that up. Four inches. <laughs> TIAC 4 track. And um, he invited us to his house where he had his 40 track. Right. So just right away, it was a you know a learning experience. And well, we had a really lot of autonomy. Us? You had a lot of autonomy, which which Shelter wasn't aware of at the time, right? What do you mean by that? That you were able to record without them looking over your shoulder. Oh yeah, definitely. Any Cordell gave you full control. Yeah. Yeah. Now, what was it? Uh, what was it that Leon Russell liked about you and what you were doing? Uh, what were what were his words to you uh, when he when he first met you and, and heard what what you were doing? He liked a lot of what, what we were doing. He wanted to come over to our little uh, studio that we had built yeah. at the electric company, and uh, because you know because what Leon Russell does or did. Um, was not in the same vein as what you know Dwight Twilley and the Dwight Twilley band was doing. So it's interesting to to know that he, you know, he he listened to what you were doing and was very into it. 
which is very cool. Yeah, and he immediately uh, wanted to play with us and stuff, and we mm -hmm. recorded things together. Right, right. Awesome. That's awesome. That's a how many how many songs on the first album were written at that time, and how many had been written like over the early seventies? Um, I'd have to have a copy of it in front of me. What do they want to know? The songs from the sincerely that were. That were, were written. written in the studio. A lot of them were written in the studio right while we were recording. Just put it up, like Tiger Eyes. You did a bit Leon's yeah. track on this on this studio. But you know that wasn't on sincerely, right? I don't know. I'd have to kind of stare at the titles and you know <laughs> jog my own memory. It's all it's all good, uh, but you know, so so you were you're recording that first album uh, at church. And really, you know, it wasn't. It came out of nowhere when it when it attacked the Billboard and and rose sharply. Uh, how much of a surprise was that to uh, to you and uh, Leon Russell and your contemporaries? Uh, it was. It was kind of fast. Uh, surprise! It was surprising how fast it happened. That you know. And, and why do you think that is? Why do you think, you know, and and how you know, in that time period, which is much different than today, obviously. You know, how did how did it happen? How uh, what was the spark? Well, I think it was that, um, like I told you, how soon we were started, right? And um, and that included, um, you know, our voices because mm -hmm. we sang a lot together and we developed a real close harmony and um, a nice blend, as you might say. Right, but with you know, with very little, with very little promotion and backing behind it, this darn uh, song rose to number sixteen on Billboard charts. That's that's really, it's really impressive coming out. Yeah, of, really for a first record for sure. For first record was coming that, out. Was that the, was that on fire? The first single or the second? First. Wow, and yeah. it did rise very quickly, and on a label at the time that that really nobody had been much aware of so that is a pretty right. remarkable story um how 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 fast did it all happen did did you go from you know being kind of a you know a local recording artist to suddenly like on you know on the cover of magazines and being interviewed yes. did it happen quickly or was it a, a slower process no it was real fast it was like being a different person overnight Wow. Yeah, yeah, tell us a little bit more about that. How did that affect you? Sorry. <laughs> it was oh. just, a, you know, you know, it was kind of what you were expecting to happen, but then you didn't really expect it to really happen. <laughs> I get that. Do you, do you credit somebody that would be, uh, that you could say was responsible for, for uh, doing the legwork for you, um, yeah. Obviously, you had a little bit of uh, uh, cred with Leon Russell working mm -hmm. with you, but uh, who who was uh, who was the guy with the finger on the pulse that that got your music heard everywhere? Probably Denny Cordell. Denny Cordell. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Because yeah, there's got to be somebody. It's you know, uh, it just for it to happen almost like an overnight sensation. Uh, um, not not that if you know, it's a great track period but you know, without having a major label behind you and that kind of promotion and pushing to everywhere it, it's tough to to make that kind of an impact and you did which is awesome amazing yeah. And, yeah, a, a great track and a very unique track especially for the time i i remember the first time i heard i'm on fire was on american top 40 and i remember saying to myself i had I, i've never heard anything quite like this and, and yeah, just marveled at how good it was. Yeah, yeah, indeed, indeed. Um, and uh, I'm sorry. Go ahead, tell us about uh, <laughs> who got you. Who got you on American Bandstand, and and what was that like? Because that's you know not everybody has the opportunity to do that. And you did it twice, as far, uh, uh, if I recall. Three, three times. <laughs> three times. So tell us about the first one. How was Dick Clark? Um, he was. He really it's freaked so us out. Yeah, we, it was. We were like Sorry. so naive. We I'm couldn't leaving. couldn't believe that he was actually using blue language. <laughs> 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 uh, 
Well, how how did that come about? How did you get on Bandstand? Who uh who made that happen? And well, um, Shelter had their own promotion staff, right? But again, yeah, as we said, you know, Shelter, not a label that that rolls off your tongue as as a as a known entity. And of course, Bandstand was you got on Bandstand that was huge, you know, no matter what period uh, you're talking about, and um and you and you did it um um. Which 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 is something else. So uh, I remained yeah. friends with with Dick for you know throughout the rest of my career. Wow. And he used to have have me on anything that would come up, like those uh, Dick Clark's thirty three and a third show, those kind of things he would do. Right. Right. And um, whenever there was a spot for him, he'd always throw me on. So I would, I would just get a lot of exposure on television. Which is the big thing, which is a, at, that, at that time period, mid-70s, that's the exposure. This is pre-MTV. This is right. pre-music videos. The most you had there was maybe like the Midnight Special or a couple of those late-night TV shows where you might might get on live or, or might have something that's shown as a recorded video. But getting on bandstand promotion-wise and having Dick Clark uh, pump you up is, uh, is huge. Yeah, you couldn't beat it in those days, really. It was... You couldn't beat it at all. And at that point, did you have a problem walking down the streets of Tulsa without without people mobbing you? No, they didn't mob, but, you know, like, I was not the same person. Uh, yeah. How do you feel you changed? Well, you know, first place, you just weren't the same person because you. I used to just be, you know, a little play-like musician guy. And then now with, uh, with that exposure, um, were you on the road right away? Or are you, were you playing live across the country? Yeah, we did actually. Uh-huh. Yeah. Um, what, what, what were, uh, any memorable shows? Were you, op- were you opening for big people or were you the headliner in, in a lot of places? We did a little of everything. I think they, we, you know, they would just throw us at the wall and see how it splattered. <laughs> <laughs> any any memorable memorable acts you opened up for? You know, I'm sure there were. Right now, my you know, yeah, it's all good. As a blank. <laughs> hey, if you can remember it, you weren't there. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> I just find it really interesting in, in the '70s how you uh how you know how you got out there. It's because it, it's just. It's just a different period of time. David and I have interviewed a lot of people from the, you know, that got their signings in the 60s, and they literally walked into a major label, handed them a, a tape and said, here's what we got, and they got signed, you know. But mm-hmm. as, as you get on and you move into the 70s and we understand your story, it's just fascinating, pre-MTV, pre-television pre, uh, uh, exposure, what a little bit of exposure can turn can turn into as far as your popularity is concerned. It's really neat. Yeah. Then, then you were so warm was the the next single, and and I have to tell you, Dwight, as much as I love uh, I'm on fire, I love you were so warm even more. I think I, uh, you know, I wish it had been a bigger hit. Well, that, yeah, that would have been nice. <laughs> I mean, they made they made pretty pretty good book it bookends. Excuse me. <coughs> Sounded like Jan said pork chop. I did, and, didn't it? I thought dinner was ready. I was getting hungry. Dwight, <laughs> <laughs> was... tell me, tell me if you remember this because I'll never forget it. I, I remember going. I was in college and I went to a uh, a newsstand, and I believe it was Cream magazine, but it might have been Circus. And there was an article in there, and the title of it was. Play that funky music, Dwight Boy. Yeah, I You're... remember that. <laughs> I thought that was a, that was the funniest thing. <laughs> I can't remember the guy that wrote that, but he was a very cool writer. <laughs> did you know that was going to be the title, or did you? Were you? Were you no, they, they, we knew the the article was coming out, but we didn't know the title until we saw it. <laughs> and then right around that time Greg Shaw started to champion you and you know in in so many of the bomb magazine you could it, it was almost like you you knew the monkeys or or Peter Noon 
or Herman was going to be on the cover of 16 or Tiger Beat, you knew yeah. that there would be a Dwight Twilley ar uh, article in Bomb. And, uh, I mean, he seemed to have been your biggest champion. He, the, he, he used the word urgent a lot to describe your music. And I, I, I've borrowed that word and used it in many reviews since then. But, <laughs> but yeah, he, he, I mean, um, what, what are your, what are your me memories of Greg? Greg who? <laughs> Greg Shaw from Bob. Uh, no, I'm kidding you. Oh, okay. Sorry. <laughs> I we lost you again. No. Uh, that's funny. There was just so many things that happening at the, you know at one time back then. Oh, we got we got somebody uh, checking in from Romania. Hey, How are you? Yeah, Dwight, someone just wrote a, a note from Romania saying it's a pleasure to hear your beautiful voice speaking. Uh, when can we hear any new music from Dwight? Yeah, we're working on it now. We're kind of in the final touches of the newly refurbished re, um, Big Oak Studio. Right. And we've already turned, I don't know how many albums we've made on the studio, our studio. Um I'm sure you've got a backlog of uh, material knowing, knowing yeah. you. Yeah. yeah. But uh, we're look, looking forward to getting started. And this is kind of a perfect period since the world is shut down anyway. Yeah. Well, no, no, we, we all can't, we all can't wait. Um, yeah. So, all right. So after sincerely comes what I think is your, your um, the Dwight Twilley band's best album, Twilley don't mind. And of course <laughs> I have to ask, how did you come up with that title? Good question. You know, it was, it, it was, you know, kind of like a saying, you know, like everybody would know it, but nobody did. And <laughs> we, we just used it like it was, you know, everybody knew to, to say, Twilly don't mind. <laughs> it was a Tulsanism. Yeah. <laughs> But anyway, I, I, I just wanted to say how much I love that album. My favorite song, if you're sleeping, uh, of course, is on that. Um, and, and you know, another one of your, you know, your most iconic songs, Looking for the Magic. Um, yeah. Tell, tell us a little bit about the recording of that album. We were really disappointed because we thought for sure that uh, Looking for the Magic would be a big hit. Yeah. And we couldn't understand why uh, I'm on Fire could be a hit and Looking for the Magic wasn't. Did, did Shelter not promote it as much as, as they had? Uh, I think I think that might have had something to do with the influence of Clive Davis, because I uh. think he he looked for the stuff that was more uh, Barry Manilow, which you were not. No, yeah. we weren't. <laughs> <laughs> just, yeah. just to say, if there's anybody watching that's not that familiar with your music, it's not Barry Manilow esque. No. <laughs> <laughs> Um, well, there, there's a good question uh, for you, though, Dwight. You know, for 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 people who want to dig into the back catalog of Dwight Twilley, is there a uh, a social media site or a place that people should go to look for Dwight Twilley, or is it just the usual places, the Amazons and yeah, Spotify yeah. and those kind of things? Yeah, because there's, there's a, lot, a lot of stuff there's, out there. There's a lot of yeah you know, between the the early Dwight Twilley band. And then oh. just the Dwight Twilley stuff. It's like several different periods. Yeah. And yeah. Um, so. You... Okay. What does she say? I don't know. Maybe she you... said it's all coming out in a box set. That would be great. <laughs> Jan. Put together a box set. Double vinyl, okay. Yeah, wild dogs running in the jungle in in twenty two. All right, all right. <laughs> but that would that wouldn't be a bad idea. Dwight Twilley box set. Somebody out there. In box set land, let's get it. Let's yeah, when people really like the uh, 
the vinyl albums too. Mm -hmm. Of course. What, um, Dwight, why did why did Phil leave the band right around this time? I don't, I don't know. I think he didn't want to. He didn't want to be stuck behind the drums. Yeah. Right. Right. Which you know, when when he left, he went into his own solo solo work. So um, you know, I guess, I guess he was uh, he was taking a back seat, so to speak. And some people got to go their own way. Yeah, I think it was about time for both of us. Yeah. Yeah. Indeed. And, and you had a and we didn't live on uh, uh, split on like uh, angry terms like so many people have. Right. Nice. Yeah. We, yeah. We were pals from then on. Right. And, uh, and you had a, you had a, you had a nine year, really kind of a nine year gap between I'm on fire and then girls. Is it really? Yeah. That's what's Longer going than on. that, I thought. No. When was I'm on fire? 75? Well, maybe it is 90. Maybe it was 84. I thought it was a little bit later, but yeah. I think girls, was, girls is 84. Yeah. Um, that that yeah, that's that's quite of a that's quite a long wait be, between uh, hit songs. Two number sixteens. Two number sixteens yeah, has right. that. <laughs> good good catch, David. That was good. Two number sixteens. Yeah. Um, and back on back on bandstand with girls. Yeah. Yeah, indeed. Was that your uh, second or third time? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Well, what a, sure because he had a song for all these other different reasons besides right. the hits. And right. he always just would kind of find a way to stick us in somewhere. And of course, with, with girls, now you're now you're involved in the MTV generation right. and you're involved with, with video. Um what 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 do you think the biggest difference between 1975's hit I'm on fire and girls? in uh nine years later is it was it just the the television exposure with yeah, the video I mean, work and i um, love there's things i liked about both of them right 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 um one thing one thing people and, and this happened a little bit after girls i guess but one thing people may not know about you is that you're also an author and you wrote a parenting book called questions yeah. from dad um yeah tell us about that um, it's something that was, uh, you know, interesting and a challenge, but I certainly would never do it again. <laughs> wow. Somebody talked me into it. And, okay. <laughs> Most of us haven't even done it once. So. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's incredible. That's incredible. So that, that was your string there. Um, uh, after girls, um, did you have any more? Top 100 chart charting uh, singles. I don't know if I really don't know. Probably there were probably a few. Let's uh, check out the old Wikipedia here. Wikipedia. Uh, yeah, little bit of love hit number 77. Okay, a little bit of love. Okay, yeah, yeah. <laughs> What did Jan say? She said horrible video for that. Yeah, the oh. uh, yeah we did it in Atlanta, and, uh, and that was the studio they found for some reason, and uh, the air conditioning went out. Oh no! During the <laughs> video shoot, it was so it was like a nightmare. In Atlanta, that could be bad, as hot as it gets. Yes, it was. <laughs> I wait. Uh, the last time I spoke with you actually was was from Richie Pottler's studio. Uh -huh. I guess Tulsa had just been finished, and we were gonna we we were there to do a listening party, and we got you on the phone, and you listened uh, along with us. I know that album is very personal for you. Tell us, uh, tell us about it. <laughs> what? We're trying to figure out which Tulsa's we're talking about from what time period? Right at the end of the of the nineties. Yeah, 
A little less love is on that album. Yeah. That was on that was on Copper Records. There's a couple versions of that. The, the Copper one was like an early version. Right. And, and, and then there was... Okay. <laughs> this is all confusing. You've done too, you've done too much. You, you shouldn't have written so many songs and had so many albums, Dwight. You know, That's true. You're confusing us for the future. I'm pretty, that <laughs> was, I'm pretty sure that was the one that Richie Podler produced. No, there was one that we produced, and there was one that he ended up being the producer. Oh, the, we, the well, luck. Think, yeah, we're mixing up the song titles. Oh, did I yeah. get confused? I because I thought it was at the end of the '90s, but the luck came out in 2001. That sounds right. Yeah. Okay, maybe that that was it. All right, my bad. I got confused. <laughs> It's all good. It's true. You have so many albums. But one I wanted to talk about um, because it's really interesting that you got hooked up with this label. And this one is definitely, you know, my favorite of your later period uh, solo albums, the soundtrack, which oh, was, yeah. which was on Verest. How'd you get hooked up with Verest Saraband? Because they weren't putting out uh, albums by, by contemporary artists, really. Yeah. Uh, soundtrack that's, that's one of our albums that's from the yes. big oak that's from the big oak studio right yeah we're having some tr trouble with them right now uh -oh. no it's not really them somebody else that they sold it to yeah. right yeah someone bought their company and is saying they own green soundtrack okay somebody bought their company and they're saying that they own green blimp and soundtrack. Okay. We're both real proud of the album soundtrack. Yeah, it should be. It's 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 very personal. A lot of really poignant ballads on that album. I I really love it. Thank you. Yeah, yeah good. Good album. Good album. So it's a. Uh, you know, we, we, we look forward to anything new from uh, Dwight. I mean, there's there's such a back catalog. Um, just preparing for this, I've been listening to everything over the last week, and it, it really is jaw-dropping how much uh, material you've recorded and put out since uh, since the mid-'70s, and that's something to really be proud of, my friend. Well, thank you. Yeah, and, and quality. And it's not just putting stuff out. Uh, it's all quality material. You're, you know, uh, for you... What comes first? Uh, is it the melody, the or is it uh, the lyrics? Yeah. Yes. Very good answer. <laughs> <laughs> what do you find easier? Are, are you writing all on guitar, or do you write on keyboard? Oh, different all the time. The more, oh. the more the change it around, the more you get the difference between the songs. Right. Right. Uh. Hold on. What? She wanted me to tell you I wrote TV on on a bass. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, it, it's it's always interesting. We we talked we talked to a lot of people when we interview them, and they say, you know, they could be driving down the street in their car and and they'll hum things into their cell phone or a little recorder or whatnot, and then they'll run home, and the first thing they do is is pick up a guitar. Um, but many times you, you hear guitar players who say they run home and, and bang things out on the keyboard, right? Um, just because they can they can hear the whole landscape a little bit better on the keyboard. So um, um, and knowing you know a lot of your very jangly power pop type material, um, sometimes I assume that's because you pick it up on, on the guitar and the guitar rings that way, you know. But um, yeah, it's different for everybody. It's different for everybody. Um, Oops! Nope, we lost. Uh, we lost Dwight Jan. Well, anyway, we lost Dwight. Well, we'll see if we get him back. We still have five minutes anyway. Well, if he comes back, that'd be great. Um, if no. not, it, it was interesting to hear that. You know, he's. Got some material. It's good. It's good to know that. I mean, yeah. I mean, I'm I'm sure I'm sure it'll be cool. 
Uh, one thing I wanted to ask if he does come back is if he look looking back on his career, would he have done anything differently? Um, does he have any regrets? Um, you know, that kind of thing, but we'll see, we'll see if we get him back. Yeah. You never really, it's funny when you think about, um, as you can see behind you, your love of box sets and things like that, uh, you know, you would think a, like a Dwight Twilley catalog would scream for a box set, but you know, there's a lot of labels involved. There's a lot yeah, of, as, as and, is the, you know, if somebody doesn't have a box set yet, take a look at how many labels they've been on. And, and that that's going to be your answer. That may yeah. be the answer. Yeah. I mean, so, sometimes yes, sometimes no, but yeah, that's, yeah. that's often the reason. And who owns what, and 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 all that kind of thing. But Bruce I mean, Rodin, that, if, if you Bruce Rodin, if you hear us, you've had experience with this. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah get the rights to all the Dwight stuff, and 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 let's have uh, Pop Geek Heaven put it out. No pressure. <laughs> no pressure whatsoever. But if somebody could do a good job at it, it would probably be Bro Bruce Brodine. I'm yeah, I mean, look, he's he's already he's already released some Twilly stuff, so. Yeah. yeah, I can't. I can't think of a better label to do it. Yeah, yeah. But uh, now we just lost Jan, so I don't know whether. Don't know whether anybody's coming back. So if you can hear us, Jan and Dwight, uh, or Dwight, Jan, we appreciate you being on tonight. Um, yeah. No, you know. thank you very much for your time. It was fun. Um, I see Jan. Jan just came popping back in here a second. Let's see if. Sometimes uh, you need an engineer. There you go, Jan. Hey, How are you? Fully t-shirt. Fully t-shirt. I'll take one. Yeah, I want one too. I like the fully t-shirt. The magic on the back. Dwight wants to say goodbye. Sometimes you just need an engineer. Sorry about the hairdo. No worries. Here's his beard do. Dwight, you look great. And you've got a hat also. Letterman look going on. Hold on. We are getting there with that beard. Look at that I thing. think you, I think you look you great. Going, Dwight. And um, there you go. Oh, you look beard. You look I fantastic, my friend. Beard man. And shit, I don't care. I got a twirly T-shirt. I'm looking good. And yeah. uh, you know, and we and we all want twirly T-shirts. Exciting stuff in the pipeline for y'all in 2022. Dwight's just, you know, he's not media boy. Yeah, that's all right. You know, he, that's he okay. Goes out in the studio and he plunks around on a guitar and he he writes a song. We do, we just you know, we just want to hear the music. All yeah, shit. all these buttons we push and shit. <laughs> <laughs> that's what I, I borrowed two landlines from a, a friend of mine that delivered them, and you guys get. We want you to do it on iPhone. I want to kill y'all, <laughs> but I, I I don't care. I love you. We love you too. Well, we but really appreciate your time. Teresa Knox at the church studio. All right, for standing standing up for you know, re, rebuild of Leon's, you know, beloved studio opening next month, five million dollar renovation. That's awesome. Yeah, that's and, fantastic. Uh, I'd like to give a shout out to. You know, my husband and Bill Pickock the fourth, Phil Seymour, uh, Bingo Sloan, who uh, passed away recently, has actually, and you can tell the whole, can I say fuck on this? Uh, no. <laughs> uh, Bingo Sloan recently passed away. He he played on, he went, actually, he was on, was he on the first American Bandstand? Not American Bandstand. He was on Wacko, bass player. Yeah. Uh huh. He was on the uh, first Twilly Don't Mind tour. Harold okay. Sloan, we lost him. But his ashes are in the ISO booth on <laughs> Dwight's road case. So Bing's, <laughs> Bing's here. The Bingster. <laughs> but like, give a big shout out to Phil Seymour and Pickock and Robbie Armstrong. His wife passed away. Yeah. You know, it's like. Uh, we're dropping like flies over here, in other words. <laughs> well, we're well, glad you're still here. I know is, but I'm, you know, I've got a pandemic puppy, and she's keeping me busy. That's good. That's good. And we, uh, as I said, we really appreciate you guys being on here tonight. And uh, thank we you look, so much. We look forward to uh, what the future holds with some more 
Emmy music. Are you guys actually looking forward to looking? Let me think. Wild Dogs in the Jungle. Yeah. Oh yeah. Sincerely looking for the magic. Nice. But Twilly don't mind because those (laughs) could all come out. Yeah, it's getting into the period where we're starting to get the albums back legally. Oh, good. Good. We own the checkerboard too, out of my hands. Oh, nice. Bash's favorites. Oh, oh yeah. (laughs) That's awesome. That's great. That's great. Oh, yeah. Well, guys, we're gonna we're gonna sign off and uh, say yeah, good night to off. all of our viewers. And again, we thank you so much, and we hey, hope God you stay. God bless you. And hey, God bless can you, you too. Tell your viewers to put their masks on. Uh, yes. Yeah, we, we've got three people who don't have them on right now. I'm going to uh, I'm going to tell them to put them on. <laughs> okay, that sounds like kind of bullshit. Like Eric it is. Clapton. It com- it's completely clapped in bullshit. <laughs> Dwight has a uh, Taco Bell mask. <laughs> <laughs> Have a great right, night, you thanks. guys. Stay healthy. Stay happy. Peace. Okay. Thanks. Keep looking for the magic. We Take will. care, Dwight. Nice Thank talking you, Dwight. to you. Thanks. Bye-bye. 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 See you in Liverpool. <laughs> Don't I hope. Uh, that was really good. Now, that would be something if, if, if they played IPO Liverpool. You know I'd be giving them a prime slot. That'd be that'd be pretty cool. Well, there you go. Uh there you go, David. Oh, wonderful interview, guys. Thank you. Thank Whoever you. Whoever said that, thank you too. Thank you too. Um episode number 36, material issues under our belts. And in uh, the we, books. We now know that we've got uh we've got some Dwight Twilly material to look for. And right. maybe some nice remastered reissues of, of some of the classic albums. Yep. I thought, I thought, uh, I know he didn't want to be on camera there for most of the show, but that last little bit of a uh, uh, pop up, I thought he looked great. He did. He looked fine. I, I, I like the pandemic beard. Thank yeah, you, Andy. Thank you, Andy. Pandemic beard looked great. So uh, he's got nothing, he's got nothing to be uh, worried about as far as his looks are concerned. And the hat worked out well, but um but great. What do we got going on in the future, David? We're, we got some more interesting things coming up. Some very interesting things. And uh, to, to paraphrase Mon- uh, Monty Python, we've got something completely different um, next week with uh, the writer of thriller FBI books, uh, Alan Jacobson. Um, so those of I'm you looking out forward there, to that. Up, yeah. Yeah. Look yeah. up Alan Jacobson on, on uh, Amazon and, and Google and I mean, and Wikipedia and all that good stuff and check him out. He's written some very, very cool books and he's got a new one in the works that's going to involve music and potentially some of the musicians that we know. So um, yeah. we're very excited about that. I'm going to be having a phone conversation with him uh, about how we might incorporate some of the uh, power pop acts that we know, not just power pop, but, you know, just melodic rock and songwriters in, in his new project. So hopefully that, that ends up, uh, that, that ends up working out on yeah. February 9th. We have the, uh, the main man of the great mod mod revival band, uh, the jet set, Mr. Paul Bevoir coming mm-hmm. on. Uh, we know he's going to be a fun interview, and I'm a big, big fan of everything he's done. And right. he has a brand new album that hopefully will will have arrived in my mailbox by that time. So we'll see. Um, February 16th, we have a true icon. It'll be our first and hopefully not our last uh, act to actually have a number one record on the Billboard charts. Not just number one, but a couple of number twos and a few others. Right. Yeah. Uh, Mr. Gilbert O'Sullivan will be on it. He's going to be doing the tour that was supposed to happen in 2020, but didn't for obvious reasons. Um, that will happen in uh, in the spring of, of 2022. And so we'll be talking a lot about that and his career, of course. Um, February 23rd, we have uh, the great um, we have the great man from the Raspberries, the, the, the second incarnation, as it were, uh, and um, an awesome singer-songwriter in his own right. Mr. Scott McCarl will yeah. be on on February 23rd. He, his album, Play On, is uh, 
classic it's being reissued with bonus tracks so uh, we're look we're all looking forward to that and then march 2nd a man who's actually been been told he kind of looks like dwight twilly and i see it um but <laughs> more importantly he's he's the guy who's probably most responsible for the power pop renaissance of the 90s because his magazine yellow pills mm-hmm. opened the eyes of so many people i remember when i first read it you know I, not only was it amazing to see uh, articles and reviews of all this music but it made me realize that hey there are a lot of other people out there who like right. this, who like this kind of music i thought i was alone or not mm-hmm. alone but in a small minority and then i realized hey there are others out there everywhere yeah but this man is really responsible for so much that came after including a, a, a glut of magazines that other magazines that dealt with the subject matter so we're glad to have mr jordan oaks of yellow pills fame yeah, um, the magazine good. the four amazing comps and uh, yeah we'll be uh, we'll be it'll be great to speak with him yeah. And then on the ninth, I don't want to mention yet who it is because it's in pencil at the moment. But if it comes to fruition, it'll be a very, very exciting guest. So, right. yeah. and we have so, some other irons in the fire uh, as we usually do. And again, so, as we say, stay tuned and make sure you uh, you join the uh, Facebook group and tell your friends that this is a great group. Join it, share it, or join us over at YouTube on the YouTube channel, materialissues.com. And that's how you're going to know who's coming up because we always, a uh, few days before the event, we say, hey, here's who, here's who we got on Wednesday night. So, uh, yeah. Uh, join we, us appreciate, yeah. we appreciate everyone who who, take, who get, takes the time to watch us, whether it be live or on archive on Facebook or YouTube. We yeah. really appreciate it. And uh, we're having fun. And as long as we continue to have fun, yeah. we'll do this. You know, ep- episode right. number 893. I mean, why not, right? Um, so <laughs> we'll just keep going. So you guys keep watching and tell your friends. And, uh, yeah, let's try and increase our numbers. That's right. <laughs> I, might, I thought you might oh, rock on as well. I thought you might spit out your drink. It was close. <laughs> I was it's trying a, to hold it together. Joke, folks. <laughs> That's all I got to say. Uh, anyway, Mark, it was a, a lot of fun. Again, have a great night and rest of the week. And, yes, uh, indeed, everybody. We'll see and, you and with we'll Alan Jacobson next week. See, see you next next week. Uh, talk about uh, talk to Alan Jacobson. It's always, uh, always a pleasure, David. Have a great night. Everybody, be healthy, be happy, be safe. God bless. God bless you. Have a, have a great one. Thanks again, everyone.